Well, good morning again. I'm glad to see you here. For those of you who are online, by the way, uh, welcome as well. I'm glad that you can stream and, and uh, be a part of our service in that way. If, uh, if And when you are feeling up to it, we'd love to have you here in person. We always have a space ready for you. Uh, to help us understand the coming of Jesus on that Palm Sunday, we're going to take a look at what was the events that was going on around there. If you have a Bible with you, if you brought one on your phone or somewhere else, in Luke chapter 19 is what we're going to be kind of settling into. So if you want to kind of put your finger in the scriptures there. But this morning is Palm Sunday, as was de depicted in the reading just a second ago, as Pastor Jason mentioned already. We remember the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem just the last week of his earthly life as he's putting his eyes on Jerusalem and moving towards the crucifixion and all the events that will surround uh, all of that and ultimately the resurrection, which we'll celebrate next Sunday. But in the entrance to Jerusalem, as Jesus enters into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey, it was this celebration, this impromptu parade, as it were, that is celebration that the, the crowds and the people in the streets just come around and start singing and shouting and laying their palm branches out. And it thrusts them into this whole aspect of shouting and, and uh, joyous celebration that goes around. And what I want to suggest for us this morning is simply that for the follower of Jesus, for the person who puts their trust in Jesus, this kind of celebration and being around celebratory things ought to be a part of a rhythm of our life. Part of our regular rhythms, in other words, ought to be celebratory. We ought to be around the celebration of Jesus as he's coming as king. But at the same time, it doesn't take us very long to notice all the heaviness and the brokenness in the world in which we live in. The heaviness and the brokenness that lives just right outside of these walls and in some degree lives inside these walls. The brokenness that each of us carry with us. For it doesn't take long. We watch our news feeds with wherever you find your news and you'll remember the recent school shooting in Nashville, the problems in Ukraine, the violence in our own city, the damage that was done just this past week with people that are displaced and hurting and struggling on their own, not, uh, not even to mention the struggles within homes of broken marriages and relationships that are coming apart at the seam. So there's hurting all around. So the celebration that ought to be a part of the regular rhythms in the Christian life is not to ignore the pain and ignore the suffering around, but we are to be continually people who rejoice in all circumstances because Jesus is the one who is on the move. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 writes to his friends in the church there and tells us as an extension that we ought to rejoice in the Lord always. And to just emphasize his point, he says, I'll say it again, rejoice. There is celebration that ought to be happening in our streets and in our church and in our lives around a part of a regular rhythm of rejoicing, of celebrating because we have something to celebrate. As followers of Jesus, we have something and someone to celebrate. So on Palm Sunday, as Jesus enters into Jerusalem, among all the shouts of acclamation and the palm branches that are placed and the coats and the jackets that are laid in front of us, I want to understand why we celebrate and understand how we celebrate as a body as it comes to go from there. 
Because we understand celebration, you have to understand the reason that the Hebrew people, the Jewish people on this day were celebrating Jesus. We have to understand that the reason that they were celebrating wasn't because their problems had all been solved. It wasn't because all of their oppression had gone away. It wasn't because they were ignoring all the issues that were just outside of the city. It wasn't any of those things at all. They were celebrating because Jesus was among them. What I want us to understand with celebration is in the midst of a long wait. There's a long waiting that the Hebrew people had been suffering through. For hundreds of years, the Roman Empire had oppressed them and kept them down. For hundreds of years, God has seemed silent to them. There was no voice of the prophets. There was no new reading, no new understanding. So both politically, economically, religiously, emotionally, there was a long suffering that the Hebrew people had endured. For hundreds of years, and it felt overwhelming the weight of the brokenness and the weight of injustice that they had lived under just seemed to be overwhelming. It seemed to settle into their shoulders and just hunker down over them. But something had begun to stir. In the outskirts of Jerusalem, in the towns that skirted around, something began to stir because there was a wild-haired prophet that began to tell them of one that was going to come soon that he would be known as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so this wild-haired prophet out in the outskirts named John began to stir hope that something was going to change. And then his cousin, Jesus, started teaching and walking and spent years traveling, performing miracles, feeding the multitudes, teaching people about the availability of an eternal heavenly kind of life right now. And this same Jesus proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor over people. And he welcomed people from all walks of life and from those that had and those that didn't have and those that knew about God and those that didn't know about God. And the same Jesus welcomed them and taught them and brought them into a new family. And those that were previously all on the outside and outskirts and, and pushed away and, and mistreated, well, they found a home. They found a place to belong and people began to wonder with the, the prophet out in the wilderness and this Jesus of Nazareth began speaking. People began to wonder and hope began to stir. Could this really be the Messiah? Could this be the one to usher in God's peace and governance of good? Could this be the one that God is bringing to restore all things and making all things new? Because the Messiah would come the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he would establish his peace and his justice and his reconciliation. But in this moment, in the moment of Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey's colt, amidst all the shouts of celebration, in that moment, there was still oppression. There was still injustice. There were still things that needed to be rectified. There was still very much pain and hurt and turmoil. And yet there was celebration. And yet there was singing. And yet there was joy. And yet there was this, this uh, exuberance of joy and, and singing and clapping and everything else. There was a long wait. And hope had begun to stir. And they began to see in Jesus something new. And so they celebrated. But they didn't celebrate because all had been fixed. 
They didn't celebrate because everything had been wrapped up in a nice Hallmark package for everybody to share. So what I want us to know is not only did they experience a long wait, but their celebration that day was a celebration of faith. It was a celebration of faith. And that's how it is, isn't it? For all of us, on this side of eternity, celebration and joy is an act of faith. When we celebrate, when we gather together and sing and clap and wave our palm branches and celebrate and have joy in our lives, on this side of eternity, it's an act of faith. Because outside, there are still damaging things that are happening. Outside, there are still injustices happening. There's still brokenness, and there's still turmoil, and there's still things that need to be solved. But yet, we stand joyous and celebratory as an act of faith. Because we anticipate the day when one day God will indeed make all things right. Well, he will indeed put the wrongs to right and he will one day bring his kingdom into fruition. And so today, on Palm Sunday, we celebrate and we joyously sing because of faith. Not because it's all perfect. Not because it's all been made new. Not because all the problems are done away with. But we act in joy and celebration in faith. And that's what you see on the streets as Jesus is walking into Jerusalem, not everything has been rose-colored glasses, not everything has been made right, but there's an act of faith in celebration. It's an act of faith to live with joy because we don't bring God's healing to the world. We don't solve the injustices of our world. It's not because of human ingenuity or because we have the right politicians in place or the right procedures in place or the right people to govern or anything else. We don't do anything to bring about God's justice. There's only one who can bring about the peace that is going to last through all time. There's only one who can bring about the joy and the reconciliation. And is that one who's riding on the colt of a donkey that first Palm Sunday. And so we act in celebration in faith, not because of what we do, but because of what he is and will do. It's an act of faith. So as we consider this celebration of Jesus, as we consider all the celebration that happens and the joy that should be a part of a regular rhythm of a Christ follower's life, I want to look at the crowd that is in the midst of this celebration. And there are at least three different people or groups of people that you can find within the crowd. And I want to suggest that there's at least three different kinds of people that we might find in the celebration like we're having this morning. That we, as a gathered community of people, have at least three different kinds of people that gather with us. Three different groups of people. And with each group comes an invitation by Jesus. Within each group of us, as we gather in Jesus' name, there's an invitation for us. So what I want to do is I want to look at each group this morning, and I want you to see which group do you most particularly identify with, and then understand what is Jesus' invitation for you. What particular group do you identify with, and then where is the invitation from Jesus for you? The first group that you can identify would be the disciples. I mean, these are people who have walked with Jesus for the last three years. They've seen his miracles. They've heard him teach. They're ones that Jesus sent out to do their own ministry. 
These are the 12 apostles and the other disciples that were gathered around. These people are the ones that are convinced that Jesus is the son of the living God. These are people who have an experience with Jesus and they know him to be the living, the son of the living one. Now their walk isn't perfect. They're, they're not doing everything right. They don't get it all, under, all, all right all the time for sure. But they have come to know by experience the love and the mercy and the goodness and the kindness of God through Christ. They know it. You don't, need to, you don't need to argue with them. You don't need to convince them intellectually. They know experientially that Jesus is the king. Remember Peter? Remember his claim in John chapter 6 where he tells Jesus, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life and we have come to know and believe that you are the Holy One of God. There are disciples that are in that crowd who have come to believe and know by experience who Jesus is. And that may be you. You're not following Jesus perfectly, but you have an experiential experience, a knowledge of Christ that you know, not just intellectually, not because you read the Bible five times, not because you passed a test, but you have an experience with the living God in Christ. And you know, you don't have to come to church to be convinced of who Jesus is. You come already experiencing the love of God in Christ. You've experienced his healing in your marriage, peace in the conflict. You've experienced your own miracle of, your, of, your, of some kind of sorts. You don't need to be convinced. You've witnessed the power of Christ in your life. And if we took the time this morning and we just passed around the microphone from person to person, you will find within this gathering followers of Jesus who will tell you about times of their own forgiveness. You will hear stories of reconciliation. You will hear stories of people who have been rescued from addiction. You will hear stories of people who have experienced physical healing in their life. You will experience, you'll hear stories of people who have experienced miracles in their life. And we know in the gut of who we are, not intellectually, but by experience, who Jesus is. So our celebration is a celebration because we know Jesus. Enjoy, not because we're perfect, not because we're walking perfectly, not because the pain of the world is obviously gone, but because we know Christ. And so if that's you this morning, if you find yourself identifying with disciples, joyfully singing because they know the risen Christ, they know the power of forgiveness, well then your invitation in this parade that we see in Palm Sunday your invitation is to get the party started. Your invitation is to tell your story, to tell the story of love of God in your life, to testify verbally with your witness about the goodness of God's life into your life. Your story, your part, and the disciples in this crowd, their job was to get the party started, to start the shouts of acclamation, to start the waving of palm branches. For you know who it is that's riding on that donkey. Listen again, Luke chapter 19 is where the story is. So as we read it in verses 37 through 40, when he, this is Jesus, when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. 
Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd say to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, these stones will cry out. Which would be kind of fun to see, by the way. The disciples start the party by the miracles they had seen and experienced. So part of our role Part of our side in his plan of redemption, part of our role, if you find yourself identifying with one of the disciples, is to share your experience with others, to invite them to know Jesus, to not be silent disciples, but to share your story. So if you connect with the disciples and you are sure that Jesus is the son of the living God, then I want to encourage you in small ways and in large ways, to regularly tell the story of how you met Jesus and what difference he's making in your life and the hope you have because not, you, not just you know in intellectually, but you know experientially the goodness of God's mercy and love. Just get the party started. So can I encourage you this Easter season to not remain a silent observer of Jesus, but let your adoration be loud for people to see and to know. Don't let rocks take your place for praising God and what he's done for you. But there were others in the crowd that day. And they were what we might call spectators, curious enough about Jesus to spectate and see what he's about. They're not convinced about Jesus. They don't really know for certain about who he is and his claims, but they're curious enough. So they're spectating. They come around. They're not fully ready to give their full devotion and worship to Jesus, but they are willing to spectate, to, to be curious and be around the celebration. What I find encouraging about the spectators is that they don't have to have certainty to be welcome at the party. They don't have to have it all wrapped up. They don't have to have all the theological understanding to be welcome to the party. Jesus welcomes these spectators, the curious, the spiritually curious to walk with them and to be with them around. At some point, a decision will have to be made as to who we believe Jesus to be. But curiosity is a good thing. And it leads us. And there's a welcome to the curious among us. So if that's you this morning, maybe you're not convinced that Jesus is the son of the living God, but you're curious about him. You're, you're wondering about him. Well, the invitation to you this morning is to keep coming around Jesus. Be around him. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to pass a theological test to be welcome. You just have to be curious about Jesus. Around Jesus in that celebration were those that really got it. And those that were just curious. So if you're curious about Jesus, ask your questions. Dig around. Take the time to spend time with other disciples to hear their story. And I fully believe that you will find Jesus to be exactly who he claims to be. Your curiosity is welcome. You don't have to have faith of, of everybody else. You just have to have enough faith to stay around. There may be something that's holding you back, a big question that's holding you back from really diving in and submitting your whole life to him. But keep exploring. Keep walking and asking your questions. Jesus welcomes the curious and he invites their questions and even their doubts. 
which I find super encouraging. Because even as one who identifies as a, as a follower of Jesus, a disciple myself, and I have experiences of my own, of God's miraculous work in my life, there are still periods of time when I have doubts. There are still periods of time when my faith seems not as strong as I would want it to be, and Jesus welcomes my curiosity just as much as he welcomes yours. So stay around. I think we'll find Jesus to be exactly who he claims to be. But there's at least a third group in the crowd that day, and that's who we might call the fearful, the scared. Because when Jesus is Lord, if we claim Jesus as Lord, that means he's got authority, and we submit our lives to his authority. We submit our will to his authority. And most of us love the idea of change until it's, we're the ones who have to change, and then we don't like it so much. We like the idea of someone else changing, but not so much us changing. So in the crowd that day of celebration, there are those that really know Jesus and are willing to submit themselves. There are those who are curious about Jesus, not fully convinced, and they're sticking around. And then there's those that are fearful because if we submit to him, that means there's a change that needs to come in my life. And if I'm honest, I'm scared about that a little bit. But here you have to realize that there's a difference between Jesus as Messiah and Jesus as enabler. For he has not come to enable or simply endorse all of my agendas. He's come as Messiah and as King, and he invites me to submit my will to his. And that can be scary. And that can be fearful. Until you see what kind of King Jesus is. Because he doesn't come riding in on a Clydesdale with a sword hanging on his side. He doesn't come in with pomp and circumstance and armies flailing. He comes humbly with mercy and kindness and forgiveness. While it doesn't make all of our fear go away, it does help us to be reminded that Jesus rules by self-giving love that brings hope and peace, forgiveness and restoration. And regardless, wherever it comes, there will always be a call to surrender. And when there's a call to surrender, there can be fear that happens. Because when I surrender my way to Jesus' way, I have to be willing to say no to myself, to say yes to his. But it is when I surrender to this good, humble king who's riding in on a donkey, when I submit to him, that I will find the heavenly eternal life that I've been made for. A life that is marked by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. It will be abundant and good. And perhaps for those of us that are identifying with the fearful, perhaps the invitation to you is to see the king riding on a donkey in love and mercy and humility not coming wielding his sword to tell you how horrible it is, but offering eternal life as we lead in confidence in him. One final perspective I want to highlight for you in all of this. Wherever you find yourself identifying in the crowd, one final thought for us, and that is that Jesus is the one orchestrating this parade. Jesus is the one who tells his disciples, if you read in Luke chapter 19, just before this 
passage, you'll find that Jesus is the one who tells the disciples to go in and find the donkey, bring it to him, and I'm going to walk into Jerusalem. Jesus is the one who tells the disciples it's time for us to turn away from the obscurity and walk directly into Jerusalem. His disciples don't want to go, but it's Jesus who says it's time for us to start going. And Jesus knows all well what Jerusalem means for him. He knows the cross. He knows what's going to happen before him. He knows the shamble of a trial that's before him. He knows all of it. It is Jesus who's orchestrating this parade. Jesus is the one who's on the move. Jesus is the one who encourages us to walk with him and to celebrate with joy because the celebration is not because of our human ingenuity, not because we've got all of the things worked out and mapped out exactly right, but we celebrate and we have joy and we, st- and we do that because Jesus is on the move and his eyes are squarely on Jerusalem. He gets on the donkey humbly and he goes directly to the crucifixion for us. For salvation is seen only through Christ. That's joy. Not because it's all done, but because of what will be done by the one riding on the donkey. So the arrival of Jesus is the establish of hope, is the establish of joy, and it anticipates him as king in our lives. And so we celebrate and we wave palm branches we shout for his goodness. We sing songs. We maybe even dance a little. Not because all the pain and the stuff in the world is gone away. Not because we just ignore it. We celebrate because God is on the move in our life and in the lives of those around us. And our voice is to shout, Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And that is what Palm Sunday invites us to. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we are humbled by you, our great King. And we ask that you lead and mold us and shape us to be your people of joy, of celebration, wherever we are in our faith. Some of us know you deeply. Some of us are curious and some of us are fearful For if we submit and surrender our lives to you, we have to change. We're not sure. But I I pray that you would give us vision of you, the master king, walking and riding into Jerusalem in humility, in saving works that bring us to salvation. And the salvation would be for our life both now and into eternity. It's in your name we pray. Amen.